0: welcome to another episode of the Get Football Tactics podcast. I'm your host Neil Shalat, and as always I'm delighted to say that I have been joined by Alex Barker. How are you Alex?
1: Hello, we're re-recording the intro and I thought you weren't going to give me first billing again so I'm very happy. (laughs) Basically two podcasts in a row I've been given first billing. Yes, I'm I'm very happy.
0: Yes, yes, no, we we thank you for your sacrifices for you know waking up and I, I
1: honestly feel like such a, almost like a, uh, like the biggest white man privilege getting sympathy <laughs> when I'm recording with someone from Qatar and someone from India who stay up to like 4 a.m. to watch, a, you know, football games. This is, it's always like patronizing the sympathy I'm getting. I feel like, <laughs> but I'm, do you know what? I'll take
0: it. <laughs> you take what you can get. And we also have Varun Vasudevan, as always, who is taking what he can get with Manchester United. But I hope he's had a
2: good couple of weeks without them to worry about. Exactly. International breaks are always the least stressful periods for a United fan. And yeah, it's been calm. It's been-
1: <laughs> Even then, Mount gets moved out for a month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: another yeah. dressing room fight, <laughs> apparently. Yes. Uh, good I stuff, mean, good stuff.
2: Comparatively, comparatively. Yeah. These are Just small, things. small losses no, not like the big loss that's going to come anyways so yeah, it will be fun largely it's been relaxed and yeah really happy to be here and talk with you guys again
0: yep and i think this should make for a very interesting episode certainly based on our sort of pre-recording notes that we've made and alex is properly up for this he's, he's even put screenshots and everything so yeah I, i'm i'm really excited to see uh, how this will go Our topic for today, of course, is Girona, the very, very surprising La Liga leaders who have definitely been catching the eye, not just because of their table position, but also because of how they play. They're really, really fun to watch. So we will be breaking all things about them down. In this episode, we'll talk about how they are, where they are, obviously deep dive into their tactics, which are quite interesting, to be honest, Uh, quite, quite flexible as well. And, of course, we will highlight some of their key players. There's loads of exciting uh, players to watch all over that team. And, as always, at the end, we will predict how far they can actually go. So let's begin by briefly talking about Girona, the club, and getting a bit of context uh, about, you know, why this is such a massive achievement. Because they were only promoted to the top tier in Spain, La Liga. For the first time ever in i think it was 2017. this club's been around since i don't know the 1930s but they've always been knocking about in you know the third fourth tiers generally and their the rise has really been very recent like i think they only came up to the second tier in 2008 or so so they, they're very much a club on the up right now around that time as well when they came up to the second tier they also had some real financial problems then ownership issues and everything eventually it was sorted out when they were well, not exactly taken over but cfg uh city football group of course the the group that owns manchester city among others uh, it, uh took a, a, a stake in them so i think this is one important point to address because people may see their you know top of la liga and know that cfg have a stake in them and think oh you know you know they. Use their money and got to the top. But that's absolutely not the case with Girona. First of all, CFG don't have a majority stake in them. Um, more importantly, the investment isn't that massive. So their wage bill is currently 12th in La Liga. And that's obviously lower mid-table. Uh, and that is between the likes of Cadiz and Girona, who are you know relegation battling clubs. So it's it's not like they're they spending crazy money i suppose we will also briefly touch on some of the players they've bought later and you'll see with the transfer fees it's all very smart signings it's there's no crazy money in there anywhere so you know this is not a case of throwing money at a problem and you know achieving success this is very much organically building towards uh success in the in the case of Girona, what they've done and i think yeah it's also worth noting since the cfg takeover I suppose we can say they had a couple of approaches. Initially, they did bring in a fair few players on loan uh, from Manchester City or such, generally experienced players. Uh, But then, obviously, that did also push up the wage bill. But then, after they were relegated from La Liga in 2019, and they couldn't uh, win promotion for a couple of seasons, they decided to shift their approach, uh, become much more youth development focused, so to speak. Um. And that is that is why they such an I mean part of the reason why they're such an exciting team. And also um, in 2021, which is after two seasons of failing to win promotion from the second division uh, by losing in the playoffs, they went and hired Michel, who is uh, currently their manager as well and a very very exciting guy too. A bit of background about him quickly. He uh, obviously spent a lot of time as a player. And then in his managerial career, he he first came through the I think the youth academy system at Rayo Vallecano, but then, uh, who he also played quite a bit for, but then, he w- was basically like a promotion expert in all these jobs. So he got Rayo uh, promoted from the second tier, didn't do well uh, in in the in La Liga in the relegation battle, and basically left. Then he went to Huesca, got them promoted, did really badly uh, in La Liga, and then left. Then uh, Girana signed them when they needed him to get promoted. But the difference here is that he's also doing really, really well in La Liga after getting promoted. Last season, they were pretty good as well. They were really fun to watch. Not quite um, as good as the other season, obviously. Not by Obviously, not by table position, but not nearly by underlying numbers and such as well. They've clearly taken a step up. But the, the, the key difference here is that he has been able to preserve the playing style which used in the second tier in La Liga, and, you know, this, this possession dominant style, which which is what really characterizes his teams, is something that really works in the Segunda division. But then when you step up to La Liga with, a, you know, a sort of lower table relegation battling club with not the same level of players to compete, it always sort of fizzles out, and then he, he can't really fall back on a defensive style. So that's that basically explains his career to this point. But obviously with Girona, it's been different and so i think that's another interesting point to note that both they shifted their approach and they also hired a guy who is perfect for their approach but i think that is enough from me about their background i think it's a long enough monologue so now let's dig into the the real meat of what we want to be discussing which is what jiran are doing let us begin uh, by looking at some of their stats and data alex has been digging through that what did you find alex Yes, I think it's worth saying at this point,
1: as you introed that that um, I felt very up for this. I put a load of stuff in the dock. Uh, it's actually because uh, I'm really sleepy in the morning. And usually I wing these podcasts uh, because, you know, I'm just that cool. Uh, but I don't trust myself to wing it this morning. So all of my notes are just my notes.
0: Uh, uh, so I think what you're saying is we should record every time in the morning. So you have like an extensive list of notes. No,
1: I'm better when I wing it because uh, I, oh. I, I will purposely be worse now, Neil. So then we never oh. record it this time again.
0: Um, Interesting.
1: Back to Girona. Girona uh, say that if it was later, I wouldn't mispronounce them. Um, G- no, Girona are very fun and out. They stand out at the moment amongst other teams in the past who've like gone top early, in that they are still top of the league. Um, like ahead of Real Madrid, and they've only lost one, which I was, I think, was that game to Real Madrid. Um, and their data, you'd expect them to be overperforming massively, and in some instances, they are. So they are what the seventh biggest overperformers in Europe for um, non-penalty expected goals. I think for total xg, they're performing by six. Um, so that they did quite well there, but if you look in the squad, it's kind of spreading amongst the team. So they're not really relying on one individual in that aspect. So that's at least encouraging. They're pretty locked on with their expected goals against. Um, but if you were to go on full breath and rank La Liga by that, and, like they fall down quite drastically compared to goals against. And really, I think that's just more a case of teams like Barcelona um, underperforming, uh, in front of their own goal, right? Like they're not conceding that much xga, but over like conceding more than they should be. Uh, so really? Yes, maybe they should be a bit lower, but not drastically. I think it's fair enough to say. Uh, I, there's some other interesting things I looked at because if you've heard about um. Derona, you probably would have heard like, about three players. Alice Garcia, um, Savio and uh, Victor Tsankov, who are all going to touch on, I think, near the end of the pod. Um, but if you know about them, uh, you won't be too surprised to hear that uh, Savio and Garcia are the top two in La Liga for um, live passes, that's open play passes, I believe, leading to a goal. So again, you might expect a team like this to maybe be a little reliant on something like set pieces, but no, they're like, they Liga's top team actually I think for open play the open play goals pretty much um and something else that was interesting for a team in my head has a lot of really nice dribblers they are one of the lowest teams actually for dribbles attempted per 90 but they're really high up for progressive carries so again gives you a bit of an idea about Girona and what we're going to talk about in the tactics for the, they they they, would, they seem able to kind of glide through space and uh, carry it over large dif- distances, uh, particularly in transition. Um, so yeah, the data has got an interesting picture, uh, more positive than you might expect, and um, sets us quite up, sets, sets us well up, nice for talking about tactics. That was a horrible sentence. But Neil, it's over to you.
0: Yeah, now I have to ask you that. But yes, on, on the point of their um, goal scoring and over performance, I think it's also worth saying that they have the joint best NPXC per shot in La Liga. Uh, 0.14 alongside, do you want to guess? Uh... Hmm.
1: Per shot? Uh, I'm gonna guess La, La Both
0: of you are wrong. It's Atletico Madrid.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. Who yeah. perhaps oh. also deserve
0: a, a, a podcast of their own because they've been really interested yeah, in this Yeah, they team.
1: absolutely do. They're fantastic.
0: But that's for later... But I think the point here is that, you know, they're creating such high quality chances. You can understand where some of that XG over performance might come from. But yeah, as you say, uh, one interesting point I think you made there is uh, about their dribbling especially, because it, it, uh, although they have these excellent dribblers, they don't actually take on people, but they carry into space. I think that really ties into their tactics and how they try to manipulate and open up space. So I think, Warren, let's maybe start by digging into their in-possession approach and how they they do this.
2: Yeah. Um so I mean really nice intro on the club and uh Michelle and he really wants to play football in a certain way and that is the keep a lot of the ball, uh positional football, uh occupying the lanes, occupying the vertical and horizontal lanes. I mean all the things that you associate with positional football and heavy possession teams like Man City. Um, Girona actually um, scream a lot of those kind of traits and tendencies when it comes to their in-possession stuff. So let's get into it. Um, On paper, they often play a 4-3-3. At least this season, it's largely been a 4-3-3. Um, Gazanega is the keeper. Um, at right back, uh, it's almost an even split, split between Jan Kuto, who's also a Manchester City history product, and that's how he gets in. Uh, and now Martinez is the other right back, who's almost gotten even game time. Um, Eric Garcia, uh, blend uh, of ex United and Ajax fame Eric Garcia of ex Barcelona fame. They are uh, the 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 center backs. Gutierrez is on the left. Alex Garcia, whom we'll talk about in detail later. He's been one of the best performers in La Liga this uh, season. He's um, at the base of the midfield. A midfield which usually contains Yangel Herrera, uh, Martin, the wingers, as you guys touched upon, Savio and Saigon curve. And at striker, usually, uh, Dovbik has been starting, but Stuani also appears there. Typical 4-3-3. And as you would expect, I mean, you can even guess in build-up, they form a 3-2 shape with one of the fullbacks inverting. No prizes for guessing that. And usually, it's Gutierrez, the left-back, who inverts into midfield alongside Alex Garcia. Now, there are a lot of variations to this. We'll we'll come across uh, to that. But largely speaking, it's a 3-2 when they are in their half. And as the game progresses, the left-back advances and gets into these really good attacking areas to form a 3-1-6. So, we've seen a lot of managers, especially in the attacking half, they like like this 3-1-6 shape. And Girona are no different. They actually, you know, the the structures and shapes they take are very, very much like a top team. You would expect a City or Bayern or Barca to play like this. From the goal kick, the centre-back split really wide. So that the goalkeeper has multiple options. He can go either side to the centre-back. The two people in the uh, in the pivot right in front of him, Gutierrez and Alex Garcia, are options. Then there are a few wide options. Either the right-back or a winger would be wide so they can quickly go wide as well. So the goalkeeper always has a lot of options. And the good thing is the centre-backs sometimes carry as well if there is space. Um, so... Opponents usually have these decisions. When the CB split, when the centre-back split, uh, whom should they press? Should they stay centrally? Should they go wide? Sometimes they just leave one of the centre-backs. And when they do this, the centre-backs carry nicely. Eric Garcia especially is really good at carrying uh, out of his half into midfield. And sometimes Alex Garcia uh, drops into the right centre-back area when Eric Garcia goes goes, uh, forward. So they have these kind of nice rotations. Um, so I touched upon how uh, Arnau Martinez and Yankuto play at right back and when they play there, there's a there's a big difference between their roles. Yankuto is usually a, a wide right uh, attacking wing back style uh, defender who joins the front five or the front six uh, and becomes one of the wide outlets. Whereas Arnau Martinez is usually almost like a right sided centre back or right sided defensive midfielder who um, progresses the ball from inverted areas. So, some differences in their shapes based on players. Another difference uh, you'll often notice is Dobic for Stuani. When Stuani plays, they start going a bit long. He's a good target man. And the two midfielders, Herrera and Martin, stick a little closer to Stuani and uh, are able to uh, pick his tap-downs when he, he uh, holds the ball for them. So, Girona have these kind of uh, plan b kind of tactics where they just get to any and start going long so very very interesting dynamics it's not as crazy principled as you might think the wingers obviously are largely responsible for staying high and wide and pinning the fullbacks and awaiting the switch or the overlap or the underlap which then brings them to life and they start cutting in or crossing and doing something that is usually the final third unlocking action So, that's usually the wingers' um, roles. And finally, before I finish the in-possession stuff, I know it's been a long monologue, um, I do want to touch upon how they have a very staggered formation, even in attack. It's not just three lanes that they're occupying. They're occupying multiple lanes. There's the three at the back, then a one in front. Then they often have a one, two, and a three ahead of that. So, it's not a very simplistic three, one, six. The... Uh, left back and the midfielders and the striker form a diamond at times in the attack, attacking half. Usually, uh, they'll start passing quickly amongst themselves to draw the defenders out. And when the space gets created, they'll either play a winger in or one of the uh, the striker itself will make a channel or one of the midfielders will make a channel, and sometimes even the left back. So they have these really nice uh, structure even when they reach the opponent half. It's not. As dynamic as, okay, we'll just figure it out and do a switch and dribble. Um, they also have a nice passing sequence where they form a diamond in the attacking half. So, that that I, I felt was very different from what a lot of other teams do. We have seen um, City and Arsenal at times form that diamond in the attacking half where uh, Kevin De Bruyne or Kai Havertz, when they play, they, they're just right next to the striker and the two eights... Uh, go right up to form that diamond in attack so we have seen that a few times but it's not been very very uh, apparent and giron actually do it a, a lot more often so yeah i mean a lot of fun very attacking they reach that 316 shape a lot more aggressively than even some top teams do um i know for a fact like united wants to reach that 316 shape but don't have this kind of control progression to be able to maintain that so I think what Girona are doing in possession is uh, absolutely fabulous indeed and I think it's it's just briefly worth expanding on the point you made about
0: their fullbacks because as you said they have various options and that really impacts or, or certainly gives them the opportunity to adapt their, their build-up structures and you do see these minor tweaks uh, a, a, a between matches you know building in like a 3-1 and maybe a 3-2 depending on what their opponents are and you know how they're pressing so as you say you've got Martinez and Kouto on uh, Couto on the right Martinez much more sort of able to invert much more uh, better ball player in midfield areas generally he was great last season as well so between him and and Kouto they've very different options to do very different things and even on the left you know between Gutierrez and sometimes Blind coming out there they also can have a fair few options I mean you know with Savio up there you generally don't have an overlapper but if you do need one Gutierrez can give you that and also he can invert into midfield and then Blind can I mean he can do basically whatever you want deeper he can either stay on the left to form a back three or of course move into midfield so they've got so many options, uh, especially with their fullbacks, in terms of the, the shapes they want to use to build up. And then they're really good at, obviously, you know, all their players are amazing at passing around, knocking it around, retaining the ball. And then I think my favorite part, and I know we have a bit on Alex Garcia later, but I think it's worth mentioning in the tactic as well. Uh, he is the key with his ability to switch passes uh, in, in midfield. So, so they can be building out on one side, like they can build on the left. And then Garcia will have to switch to Sigankov on the right and boom, they're gone. So, you know, with Garcia in particular, and then all of these various build-up structures uh, and the adaptability that the, the, the player profiles have offer, I, I think you are one of the best build-up teams in La Liga, definitely. And I would even say in Europe because, they, they, I mean, it's just so hard to stop them because even if you find a counter to like one of their tactics they'll have another one ready to beat your counter. So yeah, the, uh, you know, I think they're an absolutely amazing team in possession. Mm. Any other thoughts on their in possession stuff, guys? Uh
1: yeah, um I I, I not it down. Like it, it it's nice to see the the four ones inverting kind of like with proper purpose. I know John put this on uh John McKenzie did this on Tifo. Uh, about how it's like kind of geared around towards there's it, no coincidence that Girona's like top producers for goals and assists are their wingers, and that's because these fullbacks, like it's not just inverting to provide a passing option or like different angles. It's also to bring as many players like they'll bring players away from the wingers and isolate in one v one, and they'll also open up space like either pulling us like maybe a deeper central midfielder or a centre back out of their line and creating space in behind for a winger to go into, or pushing right up towards the. Like opposition defense, so it creates that space inside. Uh, yeah, it is a, a, another fun, fun thing to notice when you are watching them.
0: Yep, yeah, I think it's safe to say, no matter what, yeah, what the game is, the op- opponent is, you are always going to be super entertaining in possession. So I don't think you'll ever regret tuning into one of their matches. But also, I mean, you do you have you do have to defend as well as much as they like to keep possession, and they do keep a fair bit of it as well. I think they do have to you know come up with an idea of what to do when they don't have the ball. And I think they've been pretty good at that as well. What have you seen in that respect, Varun?
2: Yeah, I am the out-of-possession stuff. So let's start with the high press. And I'll try to pick out what they do differently from other teams. I mean, I think we have already established they do a lot of the usual top team 4-3-3 who build up in a 3-2-5 and then 3-1-6 you know they they are very much like that but i think one of the differences comes out um in the out of possession stuff they press with all six players so they press in a four three three and the front three and the back three the front three and the midfield three sorry they press very intensely only the back four are a little um you know uh, kg so this is a little different from how a lot of teams uh, press a lot of teams press in a 4-4-2 um, or they commit four or five players committing all six players not too many teams do it Uh, or they do it in phases where they'll first commit and then a fullback will back it up later but here Girona are going all out with six and there's a noticeable pattern to the six where they hunt in three pairs of two and what I mean by this is there's always a pairing partner when someone makes the initial press and the partner makes the backup press. So, if the striker goes towards the left center back, then immediately the left winger is already going on the left back, uh, on the right back of the opponent to close that lane. So, like this, two people press and then the others wait uh, to see if the opponent switches or the opponent goes long. So, they, they make pairs uh, like this and based on the opponent's first pass, the pairs are formed. Sometimes, quite often, if, uh, if the opponent goes one way, then the striker and the winger uh, for Girona become one pair and then the opposite striker and midfielder become another pair and then the remaining two midfielders become another pair and they hunt like this in pairs. So, I found that really interesting. Obviously, when the high press is beaten, then they come back in a 4-1-4-1 4-1 kind of block. The defensive midfielder Alex Garcia is right in front of the centre-backs and he has a bit of a flexible role in the deeper block. He can sometimes drop as deep as um, a centre-back slot and form a back fight. And sometimes he pushes ahead with with the eights to make it like a four-five one. So he has a bit of a flexible role. But other than that, it's two banks of four and just one striker up ahead to maintain the transition threat. Um, among the other points in their defending, I think transition defense has been a long long-standing issue for them. Um, even if you see the XGA, I think last year they were probably mid-table. Uh they were like um currently they are mid-table roughly and last year they were like the 7th worst so in general defending has been a bit of an issue Uh, defending transitions is one issue when players run at them they sometimes are not able to recover not able to stop them Uh, then there are a lot of of softer aspects of defending where they don't win their aerial duels Uh, set-piece defending at times has been off where they've been beaten uh, in set-pieces and Largely speaking, from last season to this, their solution to all these problems has been to keep the ball more and play higher. They've increased their possession from 51% to 56, which has gone from 7th to 3rd in La Liga. They're playing a little higher. They're just increasing the distance for teams to transition. So, that has been their approach to solving a lot of their defensive issues. So, you can say, You know, it's almost like Pep's Barcelona uh, when he used to say that, you know, the further I am away from my goal and the more I'm keeping the ball, the tougher it is for an opponent to cover all that distance and, you know, transition at me. So, Girona kind of defend with that principle in mind. So, but you can get at them. When you get into their half, they do have a few mistakes. The Real Madrid game especially uh, highlighted some of that. Uh, when you go uh, at them via set pieces or crosses uh, or you just overload their half and start attacking them a lot they do look a little weak uh, defensively and I would say uh, the main reason they might drop off from first I mean them being there itself is miraculous but the main reason they might drop off a a little bit uh, as the season goes on is their defensive side
0: yeah and just to illustrate a couple of points you made about their transition defending i got a couple of stats for you so this season in terms of xg conceded from counters per 90 or just generally as well they are the fifth worst team in the league so they basically concede the fifth most xG from counters in la Liga. so they're not great at defending counters but they have the fifth best uh, fifth highest other gigan in pressing intensity so counter pressing intensity and the second best uh, gegenpressing efficiency in the league so i think what that this shows is that their counterpress is actually both pretty intense and pretty good but if you play through it then they're in real trouble so
2: yeah perfect
0: that that's that's the real sort of that's a bit of a balance that they still need to strike which you know the the top top teams will both be able to counterpress very intensely and efficiently without conceding much uh still, like even if their counterpress is beaten, they'll still have enough at the back to rescue the situation. But I think that's also a case of player profiles, as we discussed in our rest defence episode, because, you know, people like Eric Garcia, Daley Blind, they're not the best individual defenders in the world, right? So I suppose given the, the resources they have, it's also a trade-off uh, that they have to make. But it also leads right.
1: very nicely into my point about how I think uh, Girona's success is also a product of um the the state of Spanish football right now. Uh it, it was seeing a similar thing in the league. But obviously La that, that Liga been one of uh, like I think for a period in the 2010s it was like the, the top league in Europe and it's had a bit of a a fall off after um uh, Ronaldo left I felt like uh where a lot of the teams were playing stodgy Atletico Madrid like football. But we've had a few teams really boom like Girona. But um I feel like they, from watching this season, I remember the two games where they really, like they looked on the ropes was against Real Sociedad and Las Palmas, two of the most forward-thinking teams in the league and two teams that are really good, not only at pressing, but also building out through pressure. Um, but if you look at uh, the image I've got in front of all of us is uh, Optus team se- um, team sequence styles, or whatever it is, is they, how teams play. And are they at, like... It's very different to the other leagues. Um, I looked at the League One kind of recently, in the Premier League, like where I look, quite a lot of the teams are close to the fast and direct corner, and there's only like five teams, Girona being one of them, in sort of the slow, uh, intricate build-up corner, where they, they have more passes per their sequence. So I think Girona's success, like it, it is a product of out of possession. They're able to when they're able to press teams who aren't used to dealing with the intensity that. Girona provide, and that's how they're able to. Even if they are witnessing their defensive setup, as well, they're masked and uh, perhaps in possession as well. Maybe uh, they're just getting a bit better. They've got an advantage over some of the lower teams of Spanish football who defend quite zonally. Girona know how to ma- manipulate that, and they're not coming up against a like super many intelligent out of possession approaches, uh, and they. I think we spoke about this league as well. It's just just a, yeah, it's a, it's another sort of thing going on in European football where the teams that are adopting sort of next gen out of possession and in possession principles are having big advantages over the rest of their league who are yet to adopt those principles.
0: Yeah. And I think to add to that, it's a great point. Um, I think it's two things, right? So one is, the 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 cluster of teams you mentioned in the sort of the fast and direct segment, you know most of them are relegation battlers, and the thing with La Liga is right now, you you'll remember last season there was like an absolute all timer of a relegation battle with like, basically teams from twelfth were all genuinely in the relegation battle like you know two results and you're gone, uh, until basically the last couple of weeks of the season, so really, in the league right now obviously three were relegated. But, you know, at the time, there were really, about seven or eight teams and Sevilla who are, you know, going up and down. But about seven or eight teams who are, you know, genuinely relegation contenders. It, it, it was not like one of them had a real big off-season or something. They were all genuine relegation contenders. That's their actual level. And obviously, three were relegated. But then also, you had, you know, three promoted teams. None of them sensational. Las Palmas pretty good. But the other two definitely, you know, firmly relegation contenders but it's not like the the english premier league where you have those three promoted teams who are clearly a level below the league and it's it's i mean right from the start of the season it seemed pretty clear that you know those were the three go- who were going to go down but here there's like i mean like if 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 you take eight teams right half the teams you're playing are relegation battlers and as you say they all basically play a very similar style um which is something that Girona in particular are great at playing against both in and out of possession so it's 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 really to their benefit that not only do they get to play a lot of these teams, but also there aren't a lot of teams who will play against them in a way they don't like. And to add to that, the fact that this is a genuine level of all these teams means that this is something that could translate longer term. You could see this continuing, you know, next season, past season after, and stuff. So yeah, that's yeah. I,
1: that, that, that that's an inter- That's an interesting. Uh, view of it, actually, that I think it's a backup as well. I mean, my possibly my favourite team in European football, um, Real Sociedad, like the common complaint uh, that Real fans have, um, if any, because why would you complain if you're a Real Sociedad fan, is that they, they tend to crush the rest of the league. Um, but against, sort of, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid and Barcelona, that's when they tend to lose. So I guess, like, just anecdotally, like the picture you're painting of a league that's almost like split in two, it does feel like very apt um very apt. I think like there there is something there. Um it, it'd be interesting to see where it goes because you're right. I struggle to think of another league that's like this so heavily split. Like the thing that marks the Bundesliga out is that, you know, basically any team could beat anyone. Like Bayern can have a hiccup against an Augsburg or someone. And like same in league one as well, PSG can just have an off day against the Nantes. Whereas That league does seem to have like a lot of teams who just get absolutely wiped off the floor. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what approach those teams take, and if they if they close the gap or if they level off even further.
0: Yeah, and like you know, to be honest, right now, if I look at the table and I look at the teams in that segment I mentioned, I really don't see any teams who are. Sort of, you know, trying to shift an approach, trying to do something different. Most of them play similarly. way. I think right now, on in, in if you look at the bottom half of the table, the only team I would say might do something different is Real. But, but I think they're the only sort of underperformers in there. They are someone who can probably compete for Europe. But the rest of them, Sevilla included in the league, right now the way they play and the way they want to play is going to end you up you know going to get you somewhere in here right so i mean it's it's it, 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 it's it's a very unique situation in la liga where a mid table doesn't exist it's like title contenders european contenders and then relegation battlers and half the league is relegation battlers so yeah i mean it's it, it's really interesting how that'll go but yeah i suppose that's enough theorizing about la liga as a well. whole our episode is girona at the end of the day so let's get back on topic and let's start talking about some of their very cool players. And who better to start with than Alex Garcia?
2: Yeah. Um I read a comment somewhere that Alex Garcia is La Liga's second best midfielder behind Jude Bellingham. And I wouldn't disagree with that. And coming second to Jude when Jude is in this form is is not a bad thing at all. And to be fair, Jude is hardly a midfielder there. A midfielder. So really I I could yeah. argue that.
0: Alex Garcia is the best midfielder.
2: I think um, so I would uh, modify that statement to say Alex Garcia is probably one of the most informed playmakers in Europe currently. And he's been really fun to watch. And I just want to go back on one Mitchell quote when he was talking about Alex Garcia at the start of the season. And I think... Uh, it stuck with me and so far across the season we have seen it play play out the way Mitchell said it would. He was basically talking about replacing Oriel Romeo, whom we all know went to Barcelona and was a key player for Girona last year. And he was talking about replacing that player with Alex Garcia. And he was very clear in highlighting the differences in the profiles on how Romeo is more of... Uh, a bit of a defensive anchor man who's really good in duels. He is very good at uh, winning tackles early, pressing, and even in possession, he's neat. He is a more retention, circulation kind of possession expert. You know, there are different types of playmakers, and he's the more um, anchor man kind who just keeps things taking a lot of nice, uh, short passes and just enables others in possession. And Alex Garcia is a little different in the sense that defensively, he's not that strong. He's not a really hard tackler, amazing shielder, amazing transition defender. But in possession, he has a lot more range. He has a lot more creativity. He has a much bigger passing range. And he has those tools to unlock defenses, to progress from deep, to find different solutions and build up. And Michel said that Alex Garcia coming in, along with Eric Garcia and Daley Blind coming in, will make his uh, team play differently. It will reduce their need to actually defend. It will reduce their need to tackle, reduce their need to uh, win their duels. And it will help them keep the ball more, play higher and find more solutions to problems with the ball than without the ball. And those three signings have kind of transformed all that. You know, we spoke about Girona being good in possession. They've transformed. Alex Garcia, I think, has the biggest role to play. Um, first off, if you just look at his passing stats on FB ref, it's FB ref, it's not football ref, just, just a note to everyone. Um, so j- there's just some a- interesting things. I mean, obviously most of his passing stats are like 85 percentile plus, but I just wanted you guys to guess, uh, what do you think is his percentile for long passes attempted and long passes completed?
0: Okay. Completed is 99 Attempted is this Laliga, yeah, by the way.
2: lalika this year, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, okay, attempted is 99. No, completed is 99. Attempted, uh, 90. Uh, 82. Nah, I don't know, 87. 98.
2: Okay, so the answer is 99 for both. Oh, damn. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't
1: know. I was closer, yeah,
2: you were very close. And in general, I'm just picking out some of his stats in terms of passing. His total passing distance, 98th percentile. Passes into the final third, 98th percentile. The long ones we just discussed were 99, 99. Switches, ninety-nine percentile. So you're already able to paint a certain picture. This guy is a superb long passer and he plays a lot of long passes. He plays a lot of switches and he constantly gets his team into the final third using these passes. So that is one thing. He's almost like a quarterback. Uh, Uh, Remember when Steven Gerrard went deeper in those last one or two years and he was just, you know, flinging these amazing switches or even Paul Scholes uh, towards the... I remember these people. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, but I'm specifically talking about their roles towards the end of their career where they would just drop, pick it up from the centre-back and then just switch to a winger and get the game going, right?
1: Which team did Steven Gerrard play for?
2: (laughs) Okay. I think it was Everton, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, guys. I mean... (laughs) Uh, again, I was talking about the rules, not the players. Uh, but yeah.
1: Did Gerald play in midfield?
2: <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. No, he was like a centre back.
1: Oh, was that when? So when Varon meant he dropped deep, he was at centre back.
0: Yeah, the tactics at the time were different. Yeah, you had centre backs dropping deep. Oh, and interesting. Get long. Well, was they
1: like sort of like drop edge. towards the goal line and just kind of sit yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. I've got you. It's like to cover any like players hanging back. I've got you. Okay. yeah exactly
2: that's enough guys um so i mean the main reason i pointed that out is um you shouldn't think of him as a busquets type you know a very short pass heavy controlling uh kind of play he can do that obviously but especially for girona his real value comes in those wide balls, those switches after a little, little bit of possession on the right side, what they often do is on the right side, they build up on the right, uh, 40% of their attacks go uh, uh, on the on the right side, but uh, more than 40% of their final third chances are created from the left side. So I know we'll touch on Savio next, but there's already a clear picture of how they build up on the right and then switch to the left and Alex casia is 99% the guy who's making that switch. And you can see that in the stats too. The two people who have played wide the most this season are Savio on the left and Jan Kuto on the right. The fullback on the right when Kuto plays becomes the wide outlet on the right and Savio as the left winger becomes the wide outlet on, on the left. And Alex Garcia has found Kuto 30 times and Savio 27 times. He has the most switches to a winger in Europe this season. Um... And finally, to round round out another one of his uh, deadly weapons, he is also a very good set-piece threat. In fact, in terms of generating shots from corners, basically a player taking a corner and that leading to a shot on goal, he is only second to Isco in La Liga. Isco has also been having a good season. That is maybe a podcast for another day. But yeah, he also has a, Alex Garcia also has a great set-piece threat. So yeah, he's the midfielder making things happen. And uh, it's been a joy to watch him.
0: Yeah, on Alex Garcia, because I really, really love this player. One really, really interesting thing, uh, which I think is worth mentioning about him, is that he wasn't uh, always a defensive midfielder. In fact, he's he's been converted like this season. Before that, he was a more advanced midfielder uh, for Girona the last couple of years. And his career
2: is so interesting because he came through at VRL. See, this is what I meant with the Gerard School's comparisons. Come on, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, his yeah that he came through at VRL. That's the comparison.
2: <laughs> no, the part before that he advanced playmakers going deeper and becoming a quarterback type. That part,
0: uh, right, right. But no, I think it's, the the other interesting bit about him is so he say he came through at VRL, went to Manchester City, didn't exactly work there, loaned to Genoa, uh, decent, uh, but then. He he had an uh, expedition in, well, briefly in Belgium and then in Romania. And unfortunately, at this time, I was not fully invested in Romanian football. But from what I can gather, he was horrific uh, at Dinamo Bujuresti. Like, he played eight games and then they, I think they, they terminated his contract or something. He was horrific. And he suddenly transformed into this incredible... You know, quarterback defensive midfielder which is yeah it's I think this is one of the most crazy sort of transformations I've seen in a player and I am led to believe I might be wrong but I think I saw uh, Billy Carpenter who is by the way an amazing writer he is working or planning to work on a piece on Garcia and specifically this crazy transformation and how it came about so you know, I would 100% recommend to keep your eyes peeled for that. And I definitely will be doing that. But yeah, I suppose let us now move on to our next player. Who is not half bad either. Is he Alex?
1: Uh, he is not. He is Savio, And you're going to have to rein me in before I go on another philosophical tirade. Because Salvio sets it up perfectly. Uh, he's a 19-year-old uh, left winger for Girona. Uh, at one point he was like... Th- at one point in the league, it wasn't only a couple of weeks ago. He was first for dribbles, first for, this is total, first for dribbles, first for expected assists, and first for goal-creating actions. I think he's also top uh, for goal-creating actions still, actually, right now. Um, Yeah, he's a big, dribbly boy, basically. Really, really agile. But what makes him super fun, and this is where I need to be reined in, is the fact that he's a left-footed left-winger, which is very rare. And I love this profile. I think it's actually going to become more common across top five league football because it sets you up so well for transitions. Like, so, Varon uh, mentioned about Garcia hitting these switches. It's so much easier to control the ball on the left wing if you're left-footed because you can bring it down more easily and, like, to the t- towards the goal and to the touchline. Whereas if you're right-footed, you might bring it inside, where if you have a looser touch, the ball can roll into midfield. Like there's there's just a lot of different elements to this. For example, if you're when you, while Xavier's pretty decent on his right foot and space opens up inside, he'll he'll try and exploit it, he'll drive in. He's a lot more like he's two-way basically. Like he's really good at going on the outside and drilling crosses in. Um it, like it's such an unpredictable player to come up against. And it's also really good for like attacking quickly. So the the, the Antony curse, right, where you have a uh, the opposite footed winger, the inverted winger that I think we're seeing more and more, is that teams are in a transition. And Man United said a great example. Um, and Frank can attest to this legitimately. I'm not just saying this to wind them up. Uh, like. When you trying to get into a transition, Anthony will receive the ball. He'll take his first touch inside, which is sideways. It slows the entire attack down. And just in those like, two or three seconds, the opposition are given time to get back. Whereas Savio gets the ball in transition, his first touch will be inside towards goal from the left wing. And it just adds so much speed and dino- uh, diamondism to, um, like, to Girona's play. So, I, I think Sabah is a really fun winger. I hope he always plays on the left wing, like Leroy Sane. And, um, yeah, I, I think we're... He's only 19. Like, he's on for a very good season. Um, so, yeah, very, very top player. And Varun has his hand up indeed.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say I totally agree with your point. I mean, the criticism of Antonio or any of these kind of fingers who are one-way wingers, essentially, who cannot beat their fullbacks, both sides, who can't go on the outside and on the inside equally well, is that they become really predictable. They become easy for teams to defend against. And then you probably, if you are that kind of player, you need to have a whole different uh, strength or trait. Like, suppose maybe you're a good playmaker and that is where maybe someone like Jack Grealish um, is okay with not being a great man-beater on the outside. You know, uh. So, you have to have some element like that and it becomes really tough. But we are seeing a lot more of these two-way dribblers. We had a whole episode uh, on Jeremy Doku uh, when uh, he was signed by City and a very similar player. And uh, I see Alex liked him a lot too. Uh, obvious trend when it comes to Alex liking such players. But yeah, I mean, again, a player who can be used on the right or left and who can go inside or outside almost equally well. Leroy Sane again is having a renaissance. And he's also that kind of player. And I think we're going to see a lot of such uh, players because it just ticks a lot of modern football uh, boxes. It's tougher to defend against. You are either progressing through carrying, which has become a lot more important, uh, or you are creating uh, in some way the final action. And these cutbacks high value cutbacks especially or crosses once people are into space these are becoming the high value chance creation actions now for teams that are in possession Uh, even uh, uh, out of possession okay but then they have those central transition threats but for teams in possession especially against low blocks these are becoming the game breakers so
0: yeah I, i don't know if you if i misinterpret your point here or if you compared sabio to doku but i feel that's not quite an accurate comparison right now because what I've seen of Savio, he's actually very one-way. Like, he almost exclusively uses his left foot um, while carrying and that obviously naturally means he almost always goes outside. What he does have is great skill and also decent burst of pace so he can, you know, burst past the fullback. And I think him being a left-footed left-finger, as Alex mentioned, is, you know, great for all the various reasons which Alex outlined brilliantly. But also, simply because it's something that most fullbacks don't really come up against. So it's 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 a bit of a tough one for them in that respect, too. I think that's actually one point where he can probably improve. Uh, and I know he's been linked to Manchester City. So I suppose if he does go there, then he will have to improve on you know, being more two way, not necessarily two footed, but certainly two way in terms of going inside as well. But I think Alex has something to add.
1: Yeah, I think I'd slightly disagree on that. I think while he does go on the outside more often, um, I think he. he... He does tend to go on the inside at times, and it's like, oh, I'd argue. So again, let's use the inverted winger example. If you're cutting inside, like it tends to be like a lot more sideways, a lot more ninety degree angle. Whereas Savio, like when he when he does go on the inside, said he's got that burst of acceleration to go past his fallback. I think there's like a couple of seconds where he does look a little awkward because he tends to use the outside of his left foot. But he still angles more towards goal, so I think in that sense he is. He just needs a bit more space in front of him to go inside. Um, but yeah, while while he does go on the outside more often, I say I say two A isn't like the worst description of him because, like, I don't know. Again, with an Anthony example, right? If he has to go on the if he used to go on the outside, like the ball, he he's just going to get stuck on the in the corner because the way he's going to be rolling the touch of his left foot. It's always going to be away from goal and out towards for a throw in, right? Whereas Salvi, if he comes inside with his left foot, like if if he gets angled away, he'll just get angled more and more inside, which is kind of the point i will be making there. So like again, like it does tend to go on the outside more, but um, I don't think he's particularly, and while he can improve it, I don't think he's limited in that aspect.
2: Yeah, I mean like. I would say he's very different from someone like a Dan James. So that is the kind of player I would say who's exclusively, you know, strong at just going on the outside and crossing and doesn't have the, um, the entering inside uh, ability at all. And Anthony is the opposite extreme. If you put Dan James and Anthony in two extremes, and I think Savio is not on either extreme. He's fairly in between. I, okay. I won't say he's like 50, 50, when it comes to two way, he's not like that dazzling. But then he has that ability and especially if you've seen older clips of him in, in Brazil, um, there are a lot of instances where he cuts inside from the from the left wing and dribbles in central spaces. I think in Girona's tactics, he exclusively is asked to stay wide and dribble wide as well or cut in from the outside only to give that width in attack. But in many other systems, uh, in, in, in his youth and all, he's played on the right wing, gone both ways. He's played on the left wing, gone both ways. So I do think he has a lot more two-way ability to him than uh, than we have even seen in, in recent months. Mm,
0: yeah, that's uh, that's a very good point about the tactics. So yeah, perhaps, yeah, something remote. But yeah, I, I still yeah I do feel that... Uh, you know, I've seen this in many wingers, actually, especially left-footed wingers. And I think another one... He's also changed now, but Noni Madhuake at pace way, I noticed like he exclusively would use his left foot to carry. Like he would not touch the ball with his right I foot I think Madhuake
2: is a lot more of the, of the type. Uh, I mean, not as bad as Antony, which very few oh, yeah, people yeah. are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But he's a lot more closer to the Antony the type in the inverted winger who keeps coming inside and who enjoys coming inside a lot more.
0: Yeah 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 I mean I'm but I'm not talking in terms of like direction but like in terms of usage of which foot to, to sort of carry ah, okay one um, foot yeah one footed carrying basically oh, like specifically carrying and I think that's where Savio I I think he you I know I think that's he right. It, like, he does
1: he's very reliant on his left foot like Yeah like uh, he doesn't use it, like, yeah, he I agree uses there. his right he uses his right foot right, stand. Like, While I think he can go on the inside like yeah he, he he will use his left foot to go on the inside yeah, not
2: yeah, just the outside of it. yeah Agree that agree yeah. Yeah. Also, I just but, know I just realized Savio... of making this
0: a Savio podcast <laughs> shall we move on
2: <laughs> uh last thing I just realized he's <laughs> nineteen I mean
0: oh,
2: yeah. he has the whole the, he could he has a lot of time he has a lot of time the world at his feet he could be a great player if he uses the right feet he he might get around the world
0: a bit better but anyway, um let's move on. This is not a Savio podcast. podcast attempt topic, next player this is a player who I really really liked um last season or last couple of seasons when he was in ukraine at SC dnipro one um and honestly i don't think he's changed much from last season last season he was clearly a i mean too good for the ukraine premier league and he's basically doing what he did there for zirona and it's working brilliantly so uh topic is he's pretty he's pretty well built actually he's, he's got a, you know a, he's, he looks pretty strong but he's not exactly a, a target striker I mean, you can use him as that, but you, you don't get the best out of him. One of his best traits, in my opinion, is his movement of the ball um, while leading the line. And he's he's not someone who'll just exclusively go like straight in behind. He he does a really great job of peeling into either channel, um, pulling the opposition centre-backs in, in, in different ways, either to get the ball himself or to open up space for his teammates. And as we've discussed, opening up space, especially for the wingers, is a key aspect of what Girona do. So, so he's a really well-rounded striker. He's he's very good technically as well. He, you know, if you give him the ball to his feet, he can sort of lay it off to people, or he can carry it himself. And he can also create chance as well in the final third. So, I think if you look at his uh, stats, you'll see that he ranks really, really highly both for NPXG and uh, XA expected assists, and also really highly for touches in the penalty area. So he's he's you know he gets into dangerous positions. And he does dangerous stuff. It's basically all you want from a striker, really. So, yeah, he's a really fun player to watch, in my opinion. A, a great, as I say, uh, very good goal scorer as well, of course. I think he's, he's scoring just under a, a goal per 90. Yeah, 0.87 goals per 90 is his average. And his XG is 0.82. So, it, it's not like he's overperforming. He genuinely gets into those great possessions through his movement and gets all those chances. So, yeah, he has been... A very, very good signing. I think this is also something worth mentioning uh, about Girona this season. And I think uh, the video you mentioned, Alex, that John McKenzie did for Tfo uh, highlighted this a bit more. But part of Girona's transformation from last season to this is the fact that they've basically changed more than half their starting lineup in the transfer window. And a good chunk of that was forced. Like, you know, Ariel Romeo leaving means they have to get new midfielders. So Dobwek... Um, uh, Savio Eric Garcia Daly Blind uh, even even the goalkeeper Gatsunika, uh starting midfielders Yangal Herrera Ivan Martin all of them came in in this window and of course Sigankov who we'll speak about next uh, only came in you know, January 2023 I think so yeah uh, basically the winter before so yeah and combined all of that cost them well under 30 million uh, in transfer fee and of course wage bill is also really low so They've done fantastically well in that respect, as well. But yeah, I guess let's move on now to our next player, Viktor Tsigankov.
1: Our final player, yes, um, Viktor Tsigankov. So he's definitely a name everyone, everyone nerdy about football has heard about at least. I.e. the Ukrainian guy who spent, it, all of his football career. Uh, he's now twenty six. Nearly all of his footballing career at Dynamo Kyiv. Um, and he there, he was outrageous, right? He, he contributed over 150 goals in 236 games That like, an astonishing record. However, I remember being on a Ukrainian football podcast, Azoria Lahonsk, uh, to talk about Mikhail Mudrik. And we got onto the topic of Tisankov because, uh, I wanted to ask about him and say, like, what do you guys think? Because I don't, I only get to watch him sparingly through, um, uh, the highlights and they said and this was last year um so before january before he moved to girona they said to be honest we think he's like his time's kind of kind of come and gone like he should stay in kiev we don't think he'll make it in europe like he he, he spent too long there and he won't be able to make the step up and i think i i I was inclined to agree and i think we're all very happy to have been proven wrong So he plays off that right-hand side for Girona. He's got 13 uh, goals and assists in 30 La Liga games, like a really solid record. And he's a different player to Savio's, completely half, well, he's attempting half the dribble Savio's attempting. He tends to more float into half spaces and try and like run at defenders. And I think his game relies a lot more on like making quite intelligent passes and stuff. Um, But yeah, 26 years old, hopefully it's not too late for him to like, build a real career in Europe and like have as many good years here as he did uh, in Ukraine. Um, But yeah, another fun sort of, uh, during becoming a club, right, where they just turn that players you want to see do well, almost like an Oreo Romeo as well, into like that next level. And uh, it's fun watching them do it to Viktor Tsankov, who I always signed in FIFA career mode.
0: Okay, well, I think that rounds us off very nicely. Uh, in terms of all our players we had and all the tactics uh, that we previously discussed. So, as always, last bit, predictions. Who wants to begin? Where do you think Girona will finish in La Liga this season? Give us a position.
2: I'll and go first. Alright, go on. Uh, I think they drop. I think... Yeah, obviously they drop, but where? I think Madrid, Basa, Atletico, uh, not in that order, by the way. Maybe in that order. I don't know. But day three definitely overtake Girona. And I think it'll come down to a fight for fourth between Girona, Athletic and Sociedad. Uh, I'm going to put Girona at fifth and Sociedad at fourth. Okay. Alex, happy with that?
1: Uh, I'm going I'm to go for a real fun prediction. Um, okay, I'm going to put it to Barcelona meltdown. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with, in no particular order, Girona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid and Real Sociedad getting top four and Barcelona finishing fifth.
2: I can get behind that.
1: My my Inter- my only logic past times for yeah. you that come at me is just that every time I've lo- looked at the fan base in the last few weeks, it's been debates about Xavi and whether he's good enough. Uh, I've watched you against Real Sociedad, you deserve to lose. And it's yeah. not like you'll be able to bolster your depth, which is seriously lacking in the wings. In uh, January. So I'm predicting, for the fun of it, a complete Barcelona meltdown and uh, Girona and Real Sociedad to beat them for top four.
0: Interesting. Um, I'm going to go without the Barcelona meltdown, but I still do think in can get top four. I think it's going to be, uh, yeah, as Varun said, between them, Athletic Group and Real Sociedad. Also, have not been that impressed by Real Sociedad this season. They've been better... Last couple of seasons, I feel. I like the club and Girona. I think, you know, they're pretty close. But right now, obviously, the points difference is pretty big. And I think that's what will take Girona over the line. So I'm going Girona to Champions League as well. But yeah, I I don't think they I'm can... I'm intrigued by it. your Real
1: Sociedad opinion, considering since since the 1st September, they've lost two games. One to Real Madrid. Oh, sorry, three games. To Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. And Barcelona, <laughs>
0: and they've yeah.
1: all drawn everything else.
0: Yeah, but like, I'm their performances have just not been convincing. Like, they can't mm. seem to sort of control uh, games as much as they used to. They let like after leading, they let teams in. But maybe that's a discussion for another day. I think I think that is. Yeah, but but I, I I'm I'm gonna say you top four then. So I think we have two Champions Leagues and one Europa League. But I think we can all agree. They are almost certainly going to qualify for European football to some degree. And in context of where they've been, you know, second division a couple of seasons ago, and not exactly contenders for Europe either last season, that's, you know, in the the grand scheme of things, that's a massive, massive achievement, however that ends. So I think it's safe to conclude that the have been absolutely amazing this season. Incredibly fun to watch. Some lovely players in there, some great tactics. So yeah, if you haven't been watching them so far, I mean, what are you doing? You know, get, get, put them on your TV the next time they play, whenever that is. And once you do that once, you will keep doing that every week. So I think that's all we've got for today's episode. Thank you very much for joining us. Of course, a big thanks to you guys, Alex and Varun. As always, uh, you can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Neal. Alex is at EuroExpert underscore. Varun runs the at Devils, at third of account uh, and if you go to add get football you you will find in the bio the the handles of all our league and country specific accounts so you can get you be updated with all the the news and 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 insights from the, the top leagues around the world uh through our our you know news pieces analysis opinions all sorts of stuff videos um so do do keep an eye out for that you can find all the links by the way in the description or notes or whatever of your podcast app as well uh, wherever you're listening and if your app does allow it uh, please do give us a five star rating as well because that'll help us uh in terms of our reach and of course feel free to share on social media as well if you found this interesting but yeah thank you very much for joining us in any case thanks to you too alex and varun and we'll see you around again next week take care until then bye bye